the Women Changing the World podcast, a podcast on a mission to bring you some of the most amazing women I know who are doing incredible things to generally make the world a better place. From corporate sustainability to straight up magic and everything in between, you'll meet the real life humans who are birthing the new. I'm your host, Liz Best, and I'm here to amplify the stories and voices of women who are changing the world. another new episode of the Women Changing the World podcast. I'm so excited today. This is actually the first episode where I have gotten to interview two people at the same time. But today I am sitting down with Laura Hunter and Hannah Pang, who are the founders of The Now Work, uh, and they are incredible. Let me tell you a little bit about them. So Laura's career has spanned sustainability communication, sustainability strategy, and entrepreneurship. She's advised some of the world's most influential organizations in tech, fashion, food, and culture on how to accelerate positive change. Her projects have been featured in the New York Times, BBC, and the Evening Standard. Laura sits on the board of trustees at Futura Solutions Union and has taught on sustainability at London College of Fashion and Kingston University. And she's been invited to speak at the World Business Council for Sustainable Development, IEMA, and ADCE Europe. Hannah Pang is a leading expert in sustainability communication, systems thinking, and human-centered design. Hannah has served as the CMO of Endless Wardrobe, a rental and resale startup in the UK, as head of marketing and advocacy of Futera, the sustainability strategy and communications agency, and on the steering committee of the UN Fashion Charter for Climate Action. Hannah has worked with both startups and global companies, including Tommy Hilfiger and Google, on launching and promoting their sustainable products and initiatives, as well as developing the human-centric design processes for Capital One and Pfizer. Today, I got to talk to Laura and Hannah about everything from starting the now work to burnout and why it's so endemic in the sustainability space, plus tips and tricks for how to deal with or prevent it. Um, And we talked all about bootstrapping a female-founded startup and what steps they've taken to do that more sustainably. We had so much fun talking about so many aspects of sustainability and personal sustainability and the future of work, and I just know you're going to enjoy our conversation as much as we did. Welcome to another new episode of the Women Changing the World podcast. I am so, so, so excited today to be sitting down with Hannah Pang and Laura Hunter to talk about the now work. Um, Hi, Hannah and Laura. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having us. Hello, it's good to be here. Oh my goodness, it's so exciting to have you both here. And if anyone's been listening intently to the podcast, you'll know this is our first podcast. dual interview (laughs) where I'm interviewing two people, but I'm super excited to get multiple perspectives on the podcast today. Um, And we'll do our best to navigate this gracefully. 
Um, so maybe before we get started, um, knowing that people have heard a little bit about you and your bios um, before before we jumped in, would you mind just briefly introducing yourselves for our listeners who may not already know you? So uh, Laura Hunter, um, co-founder of uh, The Now Work. Um, so we've been going, The Now Work's been launched kind of officially at the start of November. Um, and we're here on a big mission uh, to connect world-changing people to world-changing work. So both Hannah and I met, we had a uh, crossovers working together in the sustainability space and built our careers uh, in this space uh, and noticed that the way that work happens um, uh, is a little bit broken uh, in that not all people are getting access to opportunities, uh, particularly in the sustainability and purpose space. Um, So really what we're here to do is kind of reconfigure how we go about work in in the sustainability and purpose space. Yeah, um, and hi everyone, my name's Hannah Pang, um, so co-founder of The Network with Laura. Um, And as Laura mentioned, we've both built our careers in sustainability over the last few years and kind of we're both on um, one end of needing to recruit people and hire freelance talent and finding that it was all happening within these closed personal networks. Um, And we both really just felt like that was leading to a lack of diversity in the, in the industry itself, if we're kind of gatekeeping these opportunities. Um, And similarly, we both also freelanced in the space as well and and found the same. We were finding out about projects and jobs through our existing network. So in, I mean, we obviously have um, so much work to do in the world. There's a lot of big problems to solve and we need way more brains and skill sets and just people working on these types of, of projects and these types of opportunities. So we wanted to create a platform to make it as easy as possible possible for people to find this type of work and also um, for the people who have the work to do to connect them um, with the really passionate people. And as Laura kind of alluded to um, ensuring that it's being done in a way that is also like human sustainable or sustainable like by humans Um, and we both just were struggling um, or had struggled in the past with uh, just like an overload of work and I think as well because you're so passionate about the problems that you're like solving and working on day in and day out there's an added level to it as well that we hadn't necessarily considered when we were in the thick of things. So really wanting to kind of tackle that as well and noticing from our community of, of others who were freelancing as well, that that was a huge reason why they had left their nine to five roles and they wanted to own their time and just feel like they had a little bit more control over their well-being and were creating the space to spend their time doing what they needed to do in order to care for themselves. Totally. Oh my goodness. I love that so much. I feel like, you know, a core reason why I started my coaching business is because I was like, why are sustainability careers so personally unsustainable so often? Like we care so much about this work. This work is so important. It's so urgent and it's so hard to just leave it at the office when it can feel so existential. So how do we reimagine a world of work where you can make an impact, you can, you know, work on causes and things that are close to your heart, and you can also have a life <laughs> outside of doing those things. Um, so that's, 
it's so exciting. And I feel like we need like all the help we can get to reimagine um, how the system is working. I would love to hear a little bit more about like each of your journeys, like to the moment when you decided to co-found the Now Work. Um, so maybe Hannah, if you want to go first, would love to hear just a little bit more about like your work and your background and and what inspired you to like go about solving this huge stomach challenge. <laughs> Yes, we've we've bitten off a lot. Um, so my background, uh, my career really started in um, the fashion and advertising world. So I've I've spent a lot of my life in in agencies and consultancies, um, and I just really believe in the power of communications, of storytelling, of of marketing, um, and realized the power of it. It completely sets the kind of cultural norms. It sets our expectations for ourselves and our desires, um, and that I could see how that was making a lot of people, including myself, really unhappy. I could never quite be enough, like wear the right thing, like have do the right like makeup. Um, so I knew it was like such a powerful tool and wanted to explore how can we use a tool like that for good to actually create positive change and make people feel really good about themselves. So um, that's when I kind of shifted my career into sustainability um, and working at a, a sustainability agency that was focused on the communication side of things. So actually it was both kind of the the structure and the story. So looking at sustainability strategies and then how do you um, turn them into something that's really engaging and desirable um, just to make it a little bit more digestible and um, accessible to people and kind of stop the fear mongering side of sustainability, but use the incredible tools of, of communications to actually turn it into something that that people want to want to engage with. Um, so that's actually where Laura and I met was working at a, a sustainability agency. Um, so I, yeah, we were both there for quite, quite a long time. I had originally started in our New York office before moving over to, to London. Um, I then transitioned into the startup space. So I was working at a clothing rental startup on their marketing and comms. Um, then have done some stuff, uh, in the wellness world. Uh, and that's another kind of parallel thread um, of my, I guess, career and life that I've been leading. So I did my, um, I'd always been quite interested in kind of the yogic and more like spiritual world. So I did my yoga teacher training um, like seven years ago, six or seven years ago now, um, and really just started to notice the parallels between um, kind of personal well-being and collective well-being. And that's kind of been a new kind of thread that I've been pulling in my career. So it's really interesting to see how that's kind of emerged in a lot of what we're doing with the now work um, and looking at personal and individual burnout um, and kind of what we were just talking about before as well of um, if we are just like solving the problems in a way that's actually creating more problems for ourselves, then um, that doesn't feel like a very sustainable way of going about it. So if we can actually shift our actions, our behaviors, our cultural norms in a way that actually we're looking after and caring for ourselves and being able to tune into what works for us, that feels like a solution in and of itself to some of the bigger systemic issues that we spend a lot of time in sustainability working on. Um, so yeah, that's uh, how I have ended up here. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for sharing. And I love how you articulated the like thread from uh, completing your yoga teacher training to like 
thinking about these questions around collective well-being. I also was lucky to complete a yoga teacher training relatively early in my CSR sustainability impact, whatever we want to call it, career. Um, And at the time, like my corporate life and my yoga life were like so far apart. (laughs) It's been wild to see how over the past like decade, like I feel like I've been like slowly trying to like bring them closer together. Yeah, it's really interesting kind of when speaking to more and more people who work in this space, a lot of us are having very similar types of conversations, but it feels like a bit of a struggle to pull those two worlds together. Um, And actually it was like my pandemic project was to, um, I had my own podcast called Crystals, Clits and Climate. And I was like, just using it as a way to meet so many people who kind of have, are having similar trains of thoughts and, and exploring these types of topics and these types of connections. Ah, so fun. I actually, I feel like I saw your podcast uh, in the Reconsidered newsletter ages ago, and I don't think I connected those dots until right now. So thank you for mentioning that. (laughs) What a great podcast name, by the way. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Uh, Laura, would love to hear a little bit more about your journey and how you came to be where we are today. Uh, yeah, so no yoga teacher training for me. So I feel like the odd one out here. So yeah, Hannah, as Hannah said, we crossed over um, uh, for a period of time at a sustainability agency. So I sat on the global leadership team there, um, working on amazing projects, like just awesome. It was wonderful. Um, but had decided to go freelance in the summer for various reasons. And um, and it was there that kind of the moment of stopping that really uh, sparked this new idea for how we might uh, approach work in this space. So Hannah and I kind of got together a few times and started to share and exchange notes. Um, and and here we are. And I, I think for me, it's... Um, I guess I never saw myself as a founder of a business or as an entrepreneur. I was just so busy doing the work and like knew that I wanted to put my career in service of something that was hopefully going to do some good in the world. But it has been, I think, for me to talk about journeys, like a real personal journey of having both the uh, really it comes down to confidence. I think I was definitely, you know, bit of a um uh you know I'm sure many people can relate like the imposter syndrome they're not feeling like oh am I doing the right thing at the right time and like being really worried uh, about how uh, about I guess how I was being perceived to be t- totally honest um and I think that manifested a lot in overwork for me that I would just throw myself at the work and I would like I can always Oh, kind of, I know that I can deliver good work, so I'll just do that. <laughs> um, so it's been a bit of a, a journey uh, to kind of get to the point where of having the confidence to found and to launch and to run a business that has a big mission. Um, so yeah, that's that's a little bit about me. Mm, thank you so much for sharing, and yeah, that so strongly resonates. I feel like. I don't know, definitely when I would think like entrepreneur or co-founder or business owner, you know, until relatively recently, that was like, I was not necessarily picturing myself in those 
roles and it does feel like such a big leap and even going from like being like a freelancer to feeling like a co-founder I know can can be a journey and just like a different approach to how you're taking to like the work that you're a different approach to like how you're doing the work that you're doing and like how you're positioning yourself in your business yeah I think that's even something that we have thought about with the now work and um you know, we often talk about it casually as, as freelance work, but often when speaking with people, seeing the opportunity to say, no, you're, uh, you're an independent sustainability expert. Like it's so much about the language and the positioning. And then that completely reframes kind of the value of the work that you're providing. It's not just, you know, you're being thrown a project and like having your head down and doing the work, especially in this industry, which is, relatively new a lot of the the like corporate sustainability work the sustainability communications work it is new and there's not that that many people who have this type of skill set and the like experience needed to deliver really good work in this way so you know you are experts in your field you um even if you are working for yourself and it is like on a project basis basis um yeah thinking about how you're positioning and branding yourself is really interesting and kind of um being able to feel, Laura, as you say, confident about that is, um, yeah, it's it's a mission. It's a big kind of task to to take on, but I think an important one. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, I couldn't agree more because I love that framing too. Like you are like a sustainability expert. You're an independent sustainability expert. It just like feels so empowered the way that you just described it. Um, well, I'd love to talk too a little bit about sort of your journey as co-founders. I know that you've like bootstrapped this company. Um, like tell us a little bit about what that has like felt like, looked like, how it's going. Would love to hear a little bit more behind the scenes. Yeah, totally. Uh, I would not gloss over this. It's hard. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> it's really hard, uh, but so, uh, so good. Like it, it's, um, I think when you're bootstrapping versus taking investment, now it's a it's a strategic decision that we have made. Um, and I think any business needs to kind of think through that, like through what they're doing based on their own terms. So as it makes complete sense, but I think it does come with some challenges. But what it does do is massively sharpen your thinking. Um, because if you are building it from retained, if you're building your business off retained profits, you need to be profitable. You need to think through very carefully how you're spending the money, how you're spending your time. Um, so I think it, whilst it's tough to do, um, it does for us, I think has massively sharpened our thinking over what we want to become. Uh, and I think as well, it gives you a ma the, the plus sides uh, are it gives you a huge sense of freedom as well. And you can build a business and grow a business in a way that makes sense for, for us. Uh, so, you know, not taking investment means that we're not beholden to some investors to grow at a certain pace and scale. Now we have big ambitions, uh, so that's not to say that we're not ambitious in terms of, you know, our growth equals our impact. Um, but it means that we can we can we have a bit of freedom there to do that in, in our way. 
um so so yeah I would say hard work <laughs> not to be underestimated that can massively you know constraint sharpen and offer, sharpen the mind and unleash creativity and it also has uh, brought a bit of liberation I would say in into how we're uh, working yeah I think the other thing that has helped us with is be really have to be really strategic about how we're spending the money that we do have and I know with um, startups that do get investment and suddenly have a big injection of cash, you have the ability to just throw money at different things. And what this is causing us to do is really um, understand what the priorities are for our business, for our customers, for um, the the talent on, on our platform so we can make more strategic decisions about where to invest the amount of money that, that we do have. Um, so it's helped us kind of learn much more quickly um, by being able to try things out with, you know, the free trial periods um, and, you know, the load of free resources that are available out there to see what is really being picked up by our community. So we know we have like much more information and data about where to where to further invest our, our resources and um, and our energy as well. Totally. I mean, I think it's so interesting I've had this conversation, I feel like, with so many people where, like, so often, you know, we start our businesses for reasons other than wanting, like, a crash course in how to run a business. And I feel like especially when uh, bootstrapping, which I've also done in my business, is, like, you just, as you said, you just have to learn so many things so quickly that you maybe never thought about as part of the vision when you were getting started, especially if you are driven by the impact. Um, but I feel like you articulated that so eloquently and like such a positive way of just like how you've had to like be super focused and learn very quickly. Yeah. And I think we've kind of discussed, okay, there's all these different platforms that could help us kind of reach this vision that we have for, for the business really quickly. Um, but like that's a huge amount of money to spend on something that we don't know if that's going to work yet. So like, let's work our way up to that and like use the tools and maybe it's a little bit more manual of a process and there's less things that are automated kind of at the moment, but at least when we are ready to grow into, you know, the next version of, of a platform, for example, um, we know it, it's worth it. And that's like, yeah, a good way to be, to be spending, spending money. Mm. Yeah, I'd also say it's quite interesting in for any uh, budding entrepreneurs or people considering uh, uh, launching a startup. I think there's quite a distinct culture in the startup scene, which you have to uh, be, I, I think, be mindful of. Um, it feels very, uh, you know, like the whole move fast and break things, uh, 10x great, but it's very hyper- I would say it's hyper masculine um, in the kind of discourse, in the language that um, people are using around business and startup culture specifically. So I think, um, and it's really hard not to get sucked into that <laughs> and think that you should be doing what other people are doing. Like I have to check myself. I mean, when we initially, you know, we, we set a kind of, we have a very solid growth and business plan but you think, oh gosh, we should be doing more. Like, how do we scale? And it's actually you just got to check yourself. So I think for anyone who's thinking, it can thinking about launching a startup. I think it's okay to do it on your own terms, um, and to there's a, yeah to 
to, to, to do it your way, I think. Um, although it is easier said than done in many cases because like I said the culture is very distinct and it's loud absolutely and it's so funny like it must be in the air because I I had a conversation with other women founders earlier this week kind of about this very topic of we all want to do business differently than the way that we have seen business being done and there's like no handbook for what that looks like (laughs) to actually do it um, on our terms and in a way that aligns with like the future that we want and and the vision that we have, uh, which is harder in a lot of ways because you're not just following the bro startup playbook, <laughs> um, but hopefully is you know one more more sustainable for us in the long run and more sustainable for our businesses. You know, one thing I really um, I think we've we've talked about on this podcast in a few different conversations is this idea of in sustainability work broadly really painting the vision of the future that we want as much as like we're talking about the future that we don't want. Um, I think both are important, but I feel like we've often kind of over-indexed on the like don't want and people are much more inspired by the like what we do want. Um, I'm curious, and you talked a little bit about this um, earlier, but would love to hear a little bit more about like, what is the future that you're envisioning for sustainability work that the now work is helping bring about? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I would say the future of work in sustainability, like what that looks like is uh, is work that exercises your... uh, your intellectual capacity uh, and your, I guess, your mission as well. And in a way that, um, and uh, that also enables you to live, that leaves space for your life. So I think um, the, that leisure time is so important and uh, often overlooked. Uh, so how can we exercise? I think it's work that enables us to exercise our full abilities on all of those fronts. Like your, yeah, yeah. Like I said, your intellectual needs, your uh, the need, the the passion and the mission that you might have. Everyone wants to work on different things and is unique in that space. And then also work that leaves space for life. Wow, that was such a good answer. <laughs> um... Yeah, I, I mean, I'll, I'll quickly add, add my thoughts, but I would definitely echo everything that Laura said. I think I tend to think about it as both the what and the how. So the what being, how can we make sustainability work just work in the future? Like, how can we um, help make it um, just part of everyone's job descriptions? Uh, it's these huge, big systemic challenges that we're all that like need way more people working on it. And in order to get it done, in order for it to be implemented, it has to go across departments. It has to go kind of across functions. It's um, we need it to be something that's seen as not just for, you know, a small sustainability team who sits in the corner. It's about integrating it into your businesses, into your um, like everyone's jobs, like KPIs. Um, So I think that's one piece of the puzzle where it just becomes yeah, something that needs to get done. It's, it's it's part of work. It's part of, you know, running a business, running an organization. And then to a lot of Laura's points, um, it's the how, like, how are we getting this this work done? And yeah, as we've um, kind of touched on all already, if 
we're if it's unsustainable in the way that it, that it's being done, then that's not going to lead to you know a positive impact in in the long run. So I really believe a big part of the solution is looking at how we how we do the work and kind of the culture change required to do that. And freelance being one way um, that it that it can be done. It's it's a vehicle that to start the conversation that actually. We don't need to be tied to our desks uh, day in and day out. We don't need to be kind of killing ourselves to make this this work happen. Um, and I think that's the trap that, that a lot of us in the sustainability space have fallen in, into. It's because it's our work and it's also our personal passion. That means we have to be dedicated towards it 24-7. Um, and that just, yeah, as, again, as we've discussed, it leads to burnout where you can't actually do any work and you can't help anyone when you're so like personally depleted. Um, so I really hope the future of work and sustainability is that um, it's just everywhere and seen as, as very valuable um, and crucial uh, work that needs to happen across all businesses and all organizations and um, that we see it as something that can be done in a way that, that works for us as, as humans as well. I think um, what I've been speaking a lot with people recently it's like it feels like the magic has been sucked out of life and like we've forgotten that we are humans like on a floating rock like hurtling through space and just being in awe of how magical that is um and so if we can kind of bring that appreciation back and in, into our lives and and know that life doesn't have to be about being yeah trapped to our desk day in and day out um i think yeah again i imagine that would solve a lot of our problems that we're trying to deal with <laughs> Yeah, it would also mean we'd have better posture because being sat at your screen all day, every day is not good for anyone. I think as well, just to add to, like very briefly to that is um, often in like with work, we have this like rollification of work where people are like put into specific, uh, have specific labels or buckets or in, in, in terms of what it is they do. And I think that's kind of very reductive. Um, and how can we enable people to uh, have expansive careers that um, uh, and follow their interests as well? Mm, yes, I feel like, I mean, the most interesting people often are people who've had like wildly varying experiences that allow them to connect the dots across different dimensions. So I love that. Thank you so much. And I, I love, uh, Hannah, too, what you said about, like, bringing the magic back to, like, life <laughs> if we're not sucked dry by our work. Is Network on your 2023 to-do list? Hi there. It's Liz. If you're liking our conversation and our approach to personal development, career advancement, and living a life that turns you on, I invite you to join our community, the Girls Club Collective. We are the intentionally intimate personal and professional development community for women who are changing the world. Instead of asking for a seat at the table, we decided to build our own. Like most change agents and rebels with a cause, you don't often have enough hours in the day to change the world and cultivate a strategic network. If overwhelm has become your second language and you're feeling tired of trying to convince your own marketing team to actually read your ESG report, you're in the right place. We know that sometimes trying to make a difference can feel like being that one person out on the dance floor trying to get the party started. And that's why we created the Girls Club Collective. It's where women changing the world organize, and all you have to do is show up 
as yourself. We are the anti-establishment version of the Boys Club, reimagining ambition, and leading the movement of meaningful work fueled by moxie, strategy, and a little bit of magic. That means you not only gain access to a community of people you need to know, you'll also take a look at how you can grow as a leader, what you really want, and why your dream of living by the beach and working for yourself isn't as crazy as it sometimes feels. By offering monthly peer advisory, salons on timely and relevant topics, networking power hours, and more, the Girls Club Collective is your extended team, your extra brains, and an energizing environment that is geared toward your personal and professional growth. We believe that changing the world is a team sport. Join the collective designed for exactly that and use the code PODCAST, that's all caps, PODCAST, for 10% off your first year of membership. You can find the link to join us in the show notes. And I cannot wait to see you in the collective. Uh, Well, one thing that you mentioned, uh, Hannah, which I definitely wanted to make sure that we talked about is burnout and the fact that burnout is so endemic to the sustainability and social impact profession. Uh, I mean, something that I have had many, 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 many experiences with, and I know that I am not alone in that. Um, I'm curious, like, I guess one, like what makes both of you passionate about addressing burnout and two, um, like, how do you think that we can like work on fixing this challenge that is again just such a huge such a huge challenge in our space it's it's something that i feel like was something we didn't um intentionally go out to try to tackle but when we were originally setting up our network and just were speaking with so many people in it a huge reason why people chose to leave their jobs and freelance was because they had experienced burnout and they had experienced multiple times and it got to a point where they knew that something something had to change. And so the structure of how they work was the thing that really supported them to prioritize their own individual sustainability. Um, and just hearing how that left so much more time for people to spend with their kids, to spend time kind of doing the things that really light them up and give them that um, kind of creative input um, was was the thing that kind of prevented them from from burning out. We actually just um, ran a session with a, a colleague of ours, Emmy, who has something that she calls your creative ecosystem. And she talks about her own experience of being burnt out and how important it is of when you're so focused on output of doing the work itself, of producing, of creating, and you're not refueling enough, that's the thing that, that leads to, to burnout. So being really intentional about um, like nourishing yourself in whatever way that looks like that's unique to you. Um, that's something that we like don't think about and we don't prioritize quite often in sustainability. I think because we're so passionate about what we're working on and we want to be change, ma- change makers and we want to make an impact that we're we're almost like proactively or like willing to self-sacrifice our own well-being um, for the greater good. Um, but I, I was on a couple of panels last year with climate activists and a lot of them were saying the same thing of they were just feeling so burnt out because um, they were so worried if they left the front lines of the protests of the cause that like no one was there to, to pick it up. Um, and I think, you know, it's really um, it's quite hard because we need so many more people like fighting these types of fights and doing this this type of work. And um, when you feel like there's not um, 
that kind of army of people kind of going along the journey with you, you do feel like, okay, I, I have to just keep pushing myself and keep working more and more and more. But then at the end of the day, if you are burnt out, you're you're not helping anyone and you can't contribute and make that impact that you set out to create. So I think it really is a conversation about finding that that balance and figuring out, out your own operating system and being really intentional and bold about it and not um, feeling the kind of pressure that a lot of us feel to keep pushing um, harder than than is necessarily good for us. But being really strong with your boundaries and being really upfront about it. At our launch party, we had um, a panel where we did talk about this quite a bit. And everyone's kind of advice was to you know, be really clear about your, what your working operating system is, like be upfront with your clients about what your boundaries are and, and how you need to work in order to like create the best work for, for your clients. So I think that was a really interesting conversation that I think is, is happening more and more in the industry with the people that we're networking with and, and who are a part of our network as well. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's super, uh, it's really interesting. I feel like burnout, like outside of sustainability, the topic of burnout is definitely like in the cultural zeitgeist right now, like quiet quitting, great resignation, uh, all of those new kind of terminologies that we're, that we're hearing. Um, but yeah, like I think, I think in sustainability and purpose, potentially burnout has a different kind of set of dimensions going on linked to what Hannah was saying around uh you know your the general anxiety of the world around us like it is not good right now like I mean I'm just reading the headlines today like Shell making 115 year record profits uh the oil and gas company while people cannot afford to pay their energy bills and we need to decarbonize <laughs> so it feels like you're up you know you're seeing that all the time and uh, um, you know, flooding in New Zealand, in Pakistan, uh, biodiversity loss, like all of these things you just get hit with all the time. And when it's part of your job to be well versed in the big issues and what's happening, um, it, become, it becomes hard. And then, yes, like Hannah said, then you've got, you know, the personal dimensions going on of I want to make a difference in my job and you know, all the other things that come with being a human being. Um, it's it's tough. Um, but yeah, definitely, you know, some of the stuff that Hannah was saying, I think, can help. But it's, it's a big, big question right now. It really is. And it's not one with easy answers. Um, I do so appreciate um, you flagging the boundaries piece. Uh, I mean, there, you both said so many, so many things that felt so spot on, but I feel like you know, I've observed and experienced like so often, I think we feel like our boundaries are maybe being violated, but we didn't actually state what they were <laughs> to begin with. Um, and so being proactive and assertive and being like, this is what I'm available for. And this is what I'm not available for. Like people will listen if they know most of the time, most of the time people don't want to overstep, but, um, but it's a matter of like, really like proactively and asserting, uh, yeah, proactively and assertively stating your boundaries. Um, but I do think that that feeling of when you do, when you feel like you're in it alone and like it rests on you, which I know, especially for people who are a team of one or a small team inside a massive organization, um, it can be so hard to like 
adopt a sustainable pace to this work when you don't see anyone else stepping in to like pick it up <laughs> totally I think it's yeah it is a hundred percent easier said than done I don't even set my own boundaries now and I'm running my own business <laughs> you know it's like being brutally honest um I try to but it's a practice I think that you have to get into um but yeah, you've got to you've got to start somewhere. I think. I guess you know it really also screams that there's like a systemic thing going on here. That sometimes the notion of individual self care can't solve. So I think we also need to recognise that here. That um, it's not just down to you. Yes, there are steps you can take as an individual, but it's like it isn't. This is not an individual by individual um issue for want of a better word I think you know in terms of work in sustainability and purpose what we have to be wary of is that we're not taking the same practices and processes and systems of traditional work which um can be very bad for workers and then just transposing them into a new space and saying hey but it's all good and we're trying to make a difference I think that's I don't think that's done, you know, I sound like quite trite there. I don't think it's done intentionally, but that, you know, just because it's, we need to think about the systems and processes. And yes, like I said, not just transpose an old broken system into a new one that needs to be regenerative. Yes, 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 yes to that. I mean, I think also too, like just, I love what you're saying about like recognizing how much of this is often systemic and it's like not I think so often as individuals too then we start to like get into this trap of like feeling guilty that like we haven't somehow like magically solved like capitalism and patriarchy and white supremacy in our work (laughs) and like yes it is a hundred percent our responsibility to be working toward like a better future on all of those fronts um and uh I think also some grace around the fact that you know, this is what work has been like for so many years. And like, it's, it is work to do things differently and it's important work. Um, but you know, we, it's not like we didn't come up with this system ourselves, like in a vacuum. Definitely. And just to echo that as well. Um, yeah, it's almost like impossible to operate in a completely different way to the environments that you're in so I think it's such a good call out Laura of saying um like yes do what you can like make uh like set up your boundaries like as much as you can but yeah as we've been discussing also be very understanding that the world is not set up for you to be able to do that easily in any way shape or form um so if you do have opportunities to Um, if you're in a leadership role within your business, you know, are there opportunities for you to shift the working culture within your organization? So just look at where you might be able to make an impact both within your own life, but if you do have kind of influence over organizational structure or ways of working for other people or in your teams within within your businesses, um, it's an interesting conversation to have and something to explore. We so uh, easily default into existing systems and structures in a way that's so like subconscious, like we don't even know that we're doing it and that it's happening, but we just, yeah, we default into them. So if you, if you can, yeah, start having those types of conversations. 
with your employees, with your employers, with your agencies, with your clients, just start start the conversation um, and see, you know, what are the baby steps to to move in that direction? I think it feel it can often feel like small things that you're doing of, you know, setting boundaries and saying no to things, but they are like quite huge because they're so different than how we've been conditioned to, to operate at, at work. Totally. And it's something that I think, you know, we're all, or many of us are like, we're learning together as we go. Right. And even those of that, like, and those of us who are like, you know, trying to make work different and trying to operate in a different way, like we're all still learning as well. Definitely. And I think that's why having conversations like this is really important to help inspire each other to, you know, start the process. And I, um, would love to mention my friend Sharmadine Reed. She's the founder of The Stack and she does something. She has a whole like deck presentation on how to work with me. And I love it as an idea because it's telling people upfront, like this is how to get the best out of, of working with me. This is my working style. These are my boundaries. This is what I agree to and I don't agree to. And I was like, yes, girl, that is amazing. Like I just found it really inspiring to be so um I suppose, like upfront and proactive about it. And, um, you know, I feel like I I haven't, I don't have the confidence yet to do that, but, (laughs) but I love it as like, um, you know, and, uh, she's definitely like inspired me to think more, more deeply, um, about it as well. I love that. Uh, One uh, idea I was introduced to uh, when I was doing consulting in-house was the idea of a user manual or user guide. And similarly, like putting like, here's how I want you to like flag a here's how I want you to like approach me with a small question here's how I want you to approach me with a big question here are things that bother me here are things that I love and because I think so often it's like when you're on the receiving end like you can feel like sometimes these things are personal and I think just stating up front like it is personal but it's about me it's not about you (laughs) and this is how you can most effectively engage with me in a professional context Um, I love that idea and I'll totally I want to now check out her her deck. It sounds like a really helpful tool. Um, Oh my gosh. Well, this has been so much fun. And I could talk to both of you for a lot longer because I think a lot of these topics are so, uh, so juicy and interesting. Um, I do want to ask like one more kind of big question and then some like kind of short, quick hit questions before we wrap up. Um, I'd love to talk about the community of talent that you're building at the network. Um, like what's most exciting about it to you? And if people are listening and they're like curious about joining, like who is the now work for? So we serve uh, two uh, groups of people. So we have our independent sustainability uh, talent network, and then we have our clients as well. So on the talent side, we have some amazing people like I cannot explain enough how brilliant they are it was mind-blowing we'd launched this thing you know just a few months ago and have now like like nearly 300 uh, people on our uh, talent community made up of like really technical people who can do the likes of carbon footprinting LCAs net zero road mapping all of that stuff uh, to kind of sustainability strategists who are looking a bit more at business transformation, um, to communicators who are, you know, 
art directors, creative directors, designers, writers who are brilliant at communicating the messages that need to be, that the world needs to hear. Um, uh, so that's our kind of talent community. Uh, and then we're also, obviously we, we connect those people to our clients. So working with some awesome consultancies, some NGOs, um, some businesses, uh, brands, SMEs. So we've got a brilliant kind of, uh, client roster um so we're really proud of that uh yeah I think our community is so inspiring as Laura said like we would get more people signing up to it and we'd be like oh my god did you see this person join their experience is insane and I think um on both ends both the client side and the talent side um just the the level of experience and expertise and like passion that we've seen within the community is just I find it so inspiring and it really gives me hope and makes me feel so optimistic that actually we have a group of people who can like solve the world's problems. It's so cool. Um, yeah, I just get like, just so hyped up about the people on, on the platform and just, I find them so inspiring and um, yeah, just to be able to help support, like get them out into the world um, and do the work and like solve the problems that need to be, to be addressed. Um, yeah, it's just so, so exciting. Yeah. And just to reiterate what Laura said, like the level of talent we have on there is so impressive. Like it's unreal. Yeah. <laughs> ah, that's amazing. I'm so happy to hear that. Um, well, so I have to ask because this is the Women Changing the World podcast, my favorite question to ask on the podcast is if you could change one thing about the world uh, in our lifetimes, ideally, what would your one thing be? It's a very big question. Um, I think mine would be kind of similar to what we've been talking about. I I wish and I hope people would um, be able to kind of slow down enough to tune into themselves uh, and really listen to listen to themselves. Like what works for you? What do you care about? Um, what do you want to do? How do you want to be spending your time? Um, I think we can very often get caught up in this like automatic flow and we just kind of um, unconsciously like go throughout our days and throughout our, our lives. And um, I hope that we could just, yeah, all slow down a little bit and, and tune into um, who we truly are, what we truly want um, and how we really want to be spending our time. And I would uh, kind of to jump off of that, I would say slowing down gives you space. Um, so I think what I would like to change, if I could have two things, sorry, is um, <laughs> this is not a rule I enforce with like a <laughs> degree of severity. So pick two, please. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering if you'll mute me when I get to my second one. Uh, is um, uh, I would say critical thinking and imagination mm. is what I think we need because um, I think oftentimes. Um, we just don't have the time to really question um, the systems and processes that are in place. And we don't have the collective imagination to think about how you break those down. So like to give you an example of that, the fact that our economic system is based on kind of neoclassical thinking that's centuries old and isn't fit for purpose. And yet we seem to not have the collective imagination to think what's next and what does it need to be so I think those are the the things for me that are yeah totally those come from having the space 
and time. Yes, I, it's funny. One of my 2023 words is space. Uh, so I, I so deeply resonate with that. Just like the most important strategic, like visionary work is not work that you can do in 30 minutes in between calls. <laughs> it needs nature and inspiration and <laughs> time and space. Um, so I love that, that vision for the future. And then my favorite sort of like short uh, question I love asking on the podcast. It's uh, not a secret that I aspire to one day print a like deck of post-its with inspirational quotes and reminders on them. I'm sitting here surrounded by post-its with with inspirational reminders on them. Um, So if each of you could have one inspirational post-it, what would you want to write on your post-it as a reminder for whoever's reading it or maybe a reminder for yourself? That's a really tough question. Um, (laughs) So I would say I'd write a note to my former self or to my younger self, uh, I think, uh, related to what I said at the start around imposter syndrome and how that can often hold people back and very uh, and cause a lot of issues for yourself. Uh, So I would put on my poster uh, something along the lines of uh, like what other people think of you is none of your business. Mm. <laughs> love it <laughs> I I want that one as well I mean I need to stick that out <laughs> I think I mean I I had a very like similar answer of just like stop caring what other people think but yours is is much better better worded so if I can I'll have my my second posted if because we have that what that one covered and it goes exactly to what we were just talking about and there's um, a quote that says, um, nature doesn't hurry yet. Everything is accomplished. And I think that goes back to our conversation about just like slowing down, like, well, things that really need to get done and that are really important will get done, but we just don't need to put so much stress, stress and pressure on ourselves to get it all done right now. We need to enjoy the journey as much as, um, it's really important to get towards the destination. Mm, yes, it's such a, a it's a great quote and a good reminder. Um, well, I'm curious for people who are listening who want to like find, follow, keep up with you. Um, what's the best place for people to follow along? Yeah, you can find us uh, on Instagram. I think on TikTok, but we haven't posted anything yet. But if you want to follow us, we would really appreciate it. We're just at The Now Work um, and then visit us at thenowwork.com. So if you are an independent sustainability expert, um, you can sign up there and have a chat with us. And we would love to get to know you um, so we can understand kind of what kind of skill sets and passion you have. Um, And as well, if you need sustainability support um, within your work, within your business or organization, also get in touch. As we said, we have an incredible network of people to help you um, with any sustainability or impact or purpose uh, related projects um, or work that you have coming up. So yeah, find us at thenowwork.com. Oh my goodness. I love it. Well, thank you so, so much. This has been such a fun conversation. I know it's the end of your day, but it's the start of mine and has been just such a great way to start the day. Thank you both so much for making time. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. It was really fun. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Women Changing the World podcast. Please rate and review the Women Changing the World podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts, and don't forget to subscribe for future episodes. 
You can find me on Instagram. My handle is Liz.Best, that's L-A-S dot B-E-S-T, or you can find me on LinkedIn by searching my name, Liz Best. Join my mail list by visiting elizabethbest.com slash monthly meditation, and you'll receive all the latest updates on events, retreats, and opportunities to work with me, plus a monthly love note from my heart to your inbox. I am so excited to keep in touch, and I'll see you in the next episode.